Hello everyone, welcome to yet another edition of Afrika's Matbakh series. My name is Maisa Kafir Hussain and we're joined today by the fantastic Philip Juma, head chef and founder of Juma Kitchen in London. Juma Kitchen was established in 2012 and offers a unique modern approach to Iraqi cuisine. Philip, who is of English, Irish and Iraqi descent, is a self-taught chef who switched careers after many years in the finance world and over the last 10 years has seen Juma Kitchen go from small supper clubs to a staple of London's food scene with newspaper columns, TV appearances and awards all on top of a prime spot in every foodie's dream location, Borough Market. So welcome, Phil. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Marissa. Lovely little intro. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, so just a disclaimer to our listeners and our viewers, Philip and I go way back. So when I was a fresh graduate working for a small Iraqi charity in London as a fundraiser, I got in touch with Phil over social media to collaborate. And we launched a really successful fundraising campaign together for Ramadan, organized charity supper clubs together and so much more. And we've stayed great friends since. And since then, what I think what was maybe two or three years into your journey with Juma Kitchen. You've become London's standout champion of Iraqi cuisine and the undisputed king of kubba. But <laughs> but anyway, I have so many questions for you. Let's get started with you telling us a little bit about your journey. So you're a born and bred Londoner who worked in London's financial centre and then gave it all up to start Juma Kitchen and begin this journey to get Iraqi food into the mainstream. So how did we get here? When did you make your first kubba or kuzi or kebab? Okay, so it, it like the, the business, the idea started in 2012, but the first ever like supper club, the debut of Juma to the world was to November 2013. And as you said, I was in the finance world for a number of years and that wasn't really serving me for many different reasons and food was a really like beautiful distraction but you know I was a I was just like I enjoyed eating food and I was like you know doing the odd thing at home but not you know chef wise it was never like a vocation and I kind of like kind of wanted to I I, I guess kind of like look other areas that made me happy in life because finance certainly wasn't doing that and obviously food kept coming up and I decided to get some work experience in some kitchens and these were like non-Middle Eastern, non-Arab, non-Iraqi places. These were like gastropubs, some Michelin-starred places, some just like normal brunch spots and all the while I was getting all this experience, I was definitely feeding this passion and this hunger for learning about cooking and, and and kitchens and hospitality and yeah all the while I was like you know I grew up eating like incredible Iraqi food like and it wasn't just a bias of like it was close to me it was like no like having like filled my face across London I just knew Iraqi food had its place amongst all of this food scene and at the time London was popping off like street food and supper clubs and all of that was happening and it was a really really amazing time to be involved and I just thought yeah like I want to do this so I remember I was sat at my dad's dinner table learning how to make Kubat Hamath honestly like eight nine hours just sat there who was teaching you 
that was my dad's um, wife. So mum and dad are divorced and my dad remarried and Grace, bless her heart, she was just there with me, just patiently kind of like, yeah, just, just going through the motions with me. And while my dad is shouting at me like, what are you doing? Like, what do these people know about our food? Why are you bothering? And I'm just like, that's why I'm bothering. I want people to know about it. Um, and obviously at the time he was just like, you know, he just kind of was so resigned to me, like leaving finance and taking on this path. So yeah, it was, um, that was, that was the moment. And to, yeah, November, 2013, I hosted my first ever pop-up and Juma was born. Amazing. Okay. So yeah, you just mentioned the, the reaction of your dad. So you know, leaving finance, which is a pretty stable, sensible job, I suppose, in the city, and you're chasing a dream of becoming a chef. So I assume your parents were hesitant at the time. What about the other people around you? And what about the people who are advising you on joining the joining the food industry? Because it's obviously a tough industry to get into. Yeah, no, they, parents want safety, right? Parents want just their, their son, daughter, whoever it is, they want just them to be set up and getting regular salaries and, you know, most parents anyway. And I'm a, yeah, I'd probably speak for most Iraqi parents. They don't want their son to be leaving finance to go. In my dad's words, and I quote, you're going to go and become a dishwasher. So that was obviously a nice confidence boosting thing from him. <laughs> uh, my mom on the other side, yeah, like she, she was, she was obviously, you know, my mum is like super supportive and, but just concerned and worried. And, and and at that time, it's like I'm thirty odd years of age. You know, a lot of my friends and peers are settling down. Some are getting married. Some are like, you know, earning and doing really, really well in their careers and making some big moves. And it's like I'm, I'm taking this backward step, and it's lonely. That's the only sort of kind of analogy I can put. It's really lonely and you soon figure out that you have to surround yourself with positive people that are aligned with the entrepreneur mindset and aligned with risk-taking and aligned with the, 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 the sector that I was in and that was like restaurants and hospitality. And I carved out a really beautiful community and yeah, it was it was it was really tough at first. I think the first probably three years were very very difficult. You know, for for many different reasons, um, which I can go on to more. But yeah, it was it was just one of those where I, I just felt very on my own and also loads of self doubt and like, what am I doing? It, you know, I never would have dreamed of of it happening how it has. Never in a million years. And so when you began, um, you know, getting jobs in various places around London, did you have to start right at the bottom? Like, you know, not having that experience previously, apart from at home, you know, that your dad's comment about being a dishwasher. Like, for example, did you actually have to go in and be like, I will start at the at the bottom, like, let me work my way up? Or did they, did they take a chance on you with with harder things? These no, these were just these were. I was just working for free. I, I I wasn't I wasn't going in as 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 an employed chef. I was just going in for experience. So I had when I left finance, I ended up working as an account manager for an energy consultancy firm. Completely different sector, completely different vibe, but that actually allowed me to have a lot more time on my hands. And then I just used my holiday and my weekends to work in kitchens and. 
yeah, like I just, I was just, I was like just so hungry and so willing and eager to learn. I would have done, and I did do everything from, yeah, dishwashing to anything they asked me to really. But it was, it, it wasn't like a proper chef's role because I didn't have the talent for them to give me those responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and, and, and you know, that probably should, I should highlight, yeah, how hard it was financially as well because yeah, you're not earning, right? You're, you're learning your craft and you're having to go into that world willing to, I guess, sacrifice and just do things that, you know, you don't want to, but you just, you got to for the, for the, for the cause. Um, and you said that you had been going around different, you know, your, your whole life and especially when you were working in the city, going to different restaurants and things like that and seeing how the London food scene was, you know, buzzing. It was getting more and more interesting. So were you much of, you know, what people would call like a foodie at the time? So trying to check out all the newest restaurants, different cuisines in the UK and abroad, like you keep up with the food scene. Yeah, 100%. I was, I was obsessed. I still am obsessed with food and hospitality as a sector. Like I, I, I always loved the dining experience. I loved restaurants. I just loved the whole the whole symphony of a restaurant. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes as well that I've grown to learn and love more and more. And yeah, it was like, and small things like small, like seeds that were planted. Even when I was at, in the finance days, I'd bring in like leftover kind of biryani, leftover klitscha, leftover dolma. And I'd, I'd be handing it around, like try it, try it, try it. And you could just like seeing their reactions and also them turning around to me being like, dude, like you need to, you need to be involved in food. You're obsessed. And yeah. All so my, all... Oh, sorry. I was going to say this. So the reactions were good. So people were interested. Really interested. Like, I, but I, this is the thing. Like if, if they had even said like, no, this is, I won't swear. This is rubbish. I still would have just been so confident in what Iraqi cuisine brings like the integrity and the the flavor profiles of what the cuisine brings. I, I wouldn't have even been phased by it, but you know, we're all human. And I guess having that, like, wow, this is delicious. Like, what is this biryani? What are these spices? What are these combos? Right. When someone hasn't tried our food before, they're, they're, they're not really going to get access to it. Are they? I doubt anyone at that time, especially is going to go hunt out, an Iraqi restaurant in London for date night. Yeah, you of know, course. So it it was it was those kind of small seeds as well that I thought, yeah, this is this is absolutely banging, and more people need to know about it. Mm-hmm. I think at the time before you got started, and this is in London specifically, of course, because different cities are will have different options. But we only had for Iraqi food Edgware Road, and you know maybe one spot in Knightsbridge. And, and then Park Royal, there were some, there were a lot of places, but they wouldn't even be regarded that well known apart from people who are in those areas. And so getting Iraqi food into the mainstream just in London itself was going to be a task. No, it was. It was. And I think, I think at that time, like London was obviously very welcoming and open to all cuisines. But it was, I, it was like almost like I was taking myself on in that journey of being self-taught, still kind of exploring my 
my identity around my anarchiness still kind of like insecure around am i anarchy enough should i be doing this is you know what, what, what like there were so many things going on in my space and it was it wasn't just show up and cook it was like i was i was on my journey too and even like connects like you and meeting people i wasn't really involved in the hierarchy community like so yeah it was it's, it's been a, an unbelievable journey like for me as well as the food so yeah it was it was a it was a it was a tough call and i think at the beginning i was very much like like hierarchies weren't really like i guess like at the forefront i was like no i need to give i need to bring this further i need to take this further i need to give bring this to like just like everyone londoners normal kind of like hackney folk who are just do you know what i mean like waiting for the next big food food thing yeah yeah but but it, it, it was never it was never like it was always just so honest i didn't really have that in mind of like it is going to be the next big thing until later at the beginning it was just like i just want to bring this i just want to celebrate it and bring it to the masses um and then yeah like things started to happen as i did that amazing okay so things obviously started to happen um so i remember i think it was in 2019 when you told me your application for borough market had been accepted and of course that's such a big deal and how did all of that come together what was the process and what's it like running such a busy spot in such a busy market in such a busy part of london yeah that that was a monumental moment to get the phone call that like a friend of mine so I've got to thank you and Amar really because those food demos that we did back in the day that was Borough Market's intro to me and just yeah like a little side story I remember Borough saying to me when we were doing these food demos and this is back in like 2014 15 I think um like how you know how many people are going to come how many people do you expect to come and I was like oh, I don't know like 10 15 and obviously iraqis being their beautiful pr- proud selves like everyone just turned up and showed up for us and i think borough were like what what is this like heckles on the crowd like everyone just on it and enthusiastic and i don't think you know so that that was like a lovely i guess intro of me to borough all thanks to amar and you and everything being facilitated but so yeah, I was on their radar and then someone shared with me in 2018 that Borough are revamping their whole food offering. They're, they're looking to get like basically like the new, hot new independent kind of vibes in there. You should throw your name into the hat. And I was like, ah, at the time I was so confused with like where Jumma was going, the identity, like the the, the, the strategy of it. I was just in this like revolving wheel and I didn't really know what was happening. And the more I thought about, I was like, yeah, this could actually really work kind of daytime, lunchtime hours and it's borough market. So yeah, you have to, you have to jump through so many hoops to, to, to be an approved vendor of a market like that. And it's, it, it was, it was very, very like stressful and complicated at times. I felt a little bit out of my depth. But, you know, I just, I, 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 need, I needed to kind of 
once you got past fa- phase one and then you get past phase two and phase three and then i think it was phase six was the tasting i was just like i need to get to that tasting and um the tasting actually went terrible i had a nightmare morning that day but i managed to you know i really frustrated all the people and the judges because i was so late and there was logistical stuff that morning but yeah i think like two months later i still hadn't heard from them and i get the phone call i was on a packed train i never forget it and it was like you're in we, we want you to be part of borough and um super emotional and super proud and it was like a it was like a build-up of like right this is gonna be my home i've been like bloody eight years of just moving around pop-ups and going to this person's house and private chefing and it was just like right this is this is us now and yeah it it was that that i remember the first few weeks of opening like just iraqi families coming bearing gifts and just beaming with pride and it was I uh, i remember you got an olive tree as a gift and other things, people, all the people on social media were rallying around because this was a this was a big deal, you know. For anyone that doesn't know Borough Market, it's such a big and important space um, in London for for food and you know speciality food. Yes, and for tourism, exactly. And a lot of amazing chefs get there, like they they get started in this space. They have to try and experiment. Um, with their with their food in this kind of space so getting iraqi food into here when arab food in general doesn't really have much of a space in that market in general it was it's a it's a very big deal so i think probably the iraqi community saw this and especially saw this all over social media and thought this is an amazing achievement Mm. yeah i i often forget because i'm so in it from a business perspective there's now and again like people will come in from like like we follow you from Michigan, America. Like this is the first place we wanted to come. And then like, and the family the other day from New Zealand, and it's just like, it blows me away, but I need it because it's kind of like reminders of like why I'm here, why I'm doing what I'm doing. And, you know, as much as it is bringing it to the mainstream, there's this huge and probably the most important layer of like repping us and repping like our identity that has been absolutely for god knows how many years so it's such a big deal and i'm i'm so proud of 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 it um it's really hard i'm not gonna lie it's like we're open seven days a week and we're we're specializing in kubba and that is probably the most labor intensive like you know it's got so much integrity to these little deep fried morsels and they're delicious but they're a nightmare to make and Obviously, you need specialized staff, and it isn't really something you can teach. So there's a lot of logistical stuff behind the scenes that are very tough at times. And I really just, I love and acknowledge and would not be here without my team behind me. And they are just incredible. But yeah, having a a seven-day-a-week operation in a busy location is, you know, and we're not doing, do you know what I mean? We're not doing, I don't know, Laughing, like it's 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 labor intensive stuff so yeah it can be can be tricky i can imagine so what's the reaction of passers-by when they see you know iraqi food written on the front of the stall and what's the reaction of 
people when they go on and then try it for the first time? Like what kind of conversations are you having with people? There's like three, I kind of split it in three demographics. There's the demographic who who just come up to us and say, like, we've never tried Iraqi cuisine, like really interested. What shall I order? And obviously we love people like that. We talk to them about all the dishes and recommend what we recommend. Um, then there's kind of like this other kind of demographic who they look at us, they know us, they've heard of us, but they carry on walking. I can, I've many times I've lit read, like people say, I've heard really good things about this place, but they, they keep on walking by. So it's, you know, there's this, I think there's this kind of, you let's say you've got 10 pounds to spend at Borough. That's your lunch. Are they really going to gamble with us? Are they going to risk it over familiarity of a Thai green curry or Mexican tacos or pasta or whatever? So, that's a real tricky one, but that's something I'm really this year going to try and conquer and take on to really like have people stop and be like, you know what? I am going to give this a go. And that, that comes down to many different like layers and, and many different kind of, I guess, um, many different kind of like touch points to have people like stop. Cause you've kind of got a three second window, like they walk past and then all of a sudden they've already got their eye on the next stool. It's so competitive there. Um, and then you've got your demographic who, yeah, they just, they, they're, they're regulars and they're our like, they're our family. Like our customers mean so much to us and we absolutely love them. And yeah, like, we yeah we 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 love seeing like regular faces and that's that that takes time to build but yeah like we, we we've actually got a really really like lovely community down there who um who make it what it is amazing so one question that I really want to ask um and I'm really interested in is why don't you think Iraqi food has gotten the attention it deserves until now? And why do you think it's been t so tough to mainstream it? I think it's often regarded as being a bit traditional or random as a world cuisine. And you could argue media maybe plays a role in painting a country in such a kind of bad and backwards light that seeking out the food from that place isn't exactly tempting or sexy to your average consumer. Um, but like, we have the example of somewhere like Lebanon, for you know, for example, which despite a 20-year civil war, all sorts of issues, it has a huge monopoly on the Arab food scene all over the world. So is it marketing? Why the hesitation when it comes to Iraqi food, despite it being so amazing for flavor and range of dishes and so on? Yeah. Um, what comes up for me when, yeah, I, I, I don't know the answer to that, but what I can share is... When I first started out, I remember there was a lot of Iraqi-owned businesses in food that were doing Middle Eastern. You know, and when I started with the branding of Juma and all of that, like so many people, like don't put Iraqi cuisine, just put Middle Eastern or just put Levant or, you know, and I was like, no, like that's not happening. Like, and I think when I have gone back and kind of at the time I had a few conversations with some people around why aren't you like that they're, they're saying it's Middle Eastern, but their menu is Iraqi. Yes, they've got the the mezza, all the sort of standard Lebanese mezza on there, but they've got authentic Iraqi dishes too. So 
I think it was about identity, the stigma attached with the word Iraq, with everything that was going on at that time. And also, I'm a privileged, born and bred Londoner. I haven't gone through the generational thing that they have. So they're looking at things different and a lot more, let's say, maybe cautiously than I am. I was I was always very gung-ho and just like, no, we're doing it like this way. So I think that is a major part. I think, yeah, like bringing in the Lebanon, Lebanese cuisine, like they, they know how to package things. They know how to market it. They know how to, you know what I mean? Like how, how can like little Lebanon, like, like, you know, have this much of an impact? It's incredible when you think about it, you know? And, um, you know, that, that was, yeah, that was, that was clearly something that a lot of the other, you know, Middle East and Arab countries weren't doing as powerfully and as well. Um, and I think like the, the cuisine, like Iraqi food is, is tough. It's like, it's long, you know, hang tight all the mamas out there who are there over the stoves and barbers, but you know, less. Mainly mamas. Exactly. Majority mamas, they're, 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 they're slaying over the stoves. So, and you, it's not like a one hour meal. It's, it's, it's often like very, very long. So yeah, I think, I think commercially I've really struggled to have this like accessible and a business because, you know, everyone needs to be paid. It's not like I've got like unlimited aunties working for free. Like no, no one's here from my side, so it's kind of like it has to be done properly and 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 in a way that labor is is basically a cost to the business. There isn't really like I don't know. Like the beginning when I was doing the pop ups, I wasn't really charging myself. Sat there for nine hours, but that's not commercially viable, right? Um, so I think there is a a complexity and toughness to the cuisine that, depending on what scale you do, you know, I've chosen an annoying one but like let's say you wanted to just do specializing kuzi or or just kebab like yeah i think i think there's so much scope there so what do you think from all of your experience now with iraqi food what do you think sets iraqi food apart from all the other cuisines and what apart from just labeling it as iraqi and hoping people give it a chance what do you think people will see when they you know when they encounter Iraqi food for the first time that makes it look different or taste different or appeals to them um, compared to every other place, you know, around them? Mm -mm -mm. I think it's the spices. I think all the spicing is familiar to everyone. You know, we, I, I often, when people say like, what is Iraqi cuisine? Like, how do you describe it? And I, and I say it is like, your, your Middle Eastern cuisine that you all know and love, but like with Indian and Indian spice influence. And that is not the Indian combos. It's Indian spices that, you know, from the spice trail way back, you know, your cloves, your rose, your black pepper, cardamom, cinnamon, nutmeg, all of these are just, they're all part of our cuisine. It's just how they're comboed and how they're, you know, how they're, how they're, you know, let's say the marinating, the marination or the, the way in which they're used is not familiar. So when people are biting into the maskouf, as you put there, or the tepsi, that, yeah, they, there's, there's familiarity. It's not, just not, it's not so far removed, but the combo is like different. 
And I think that's really what sets us apart. You know, obviously Lebanese is like lemony. It's fresh. It's summer. It's, you know, Iraqi food isn't, isn't like that. We, 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 we pack a punch with the spice and, and, and it's, a, it's more hearty and it's definitely a little bit more, let's, let's say heavy as well. So yeah, there's, that's how I'd kind of describe it and what sets it apart. And I guess even small things like amber, like that dip is just, people go crazy for it. You know, like it's the amount of times that like people just, they go off, they eat their kubba at Bara and they come back and they're like, what is that orange sauce? Like, what is that? And it is right. It's like mustard, fenugreek, you know, vinegar. It's, 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 it's punchy. Yeah, I mean, that's an example of an actual fusion of cultures, like Iraqi and Indian direct from like way back in history, like there's a direct link there. And so I'm sure a lot of people try that and they think this tastes familiar in some way, but it's entirely new to me also at the same time. And it tastes amazing. Big time, big time. Yeah, yeah. And it, and I think that's that's what it is. And I think I'd like to play on that more even like date syrup right it's this kind of date syrup but when you when you when you tie that in with you know kletcha with card like date with cardamom it's not that you know it's not that out there but like actually when you bite into that you're like oh my this is like delicious um so yeah i think it's just how it's comboed and those combos people haven't really seen before Mm-hmm. Are, are very familiar to I'm sure both of us just growing up like it's normal so you touched on this a little bit before but um I wanted to just um ask you about it a little bit more so a lot of second generation kids especially from certain regions kind of struggle to figure out their identity how to navigate at least two cultures which is something that you were doing your whole life um so how has food helped you explore your Iraqi culture like it's been monumental in me you know really like delving into my identity and I, and I think I want to touch upon like the like my upbringing when I was trying to fact find and talk to my dad about the stuff that he was shouting at the tv and getting so worked up about and living through there wasn't really communication channels between me and my dad like he wasn't out here just explaining Iraq or his Iraq to me. It was just so angry and traumatic and 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 tough for him to even express himself. So I really I really struggled with that because I, then I, then I was kind of like I wasn't rejecting my Iraqiness. It was just like, well, okay, well, I can't get access to it. I'm kind of like. You know, even now, as I'm trying to explain it, it was just confusion. It was just, it was just, you know, the, the, the war is happening on the TV. I've got, a, you know, a surname like Jama that stands out in, in school. And I've got quite a nice big nose at the time, still have. But I'm obviously got, a, you know, a white Christian name like Philip. And, there, you know, there was this, there's this like melting pot of like, yeah, like it was, it was just like, I kind of parked that side of me, I guess, while trying to figure stuff out and trying to revisit it. And, and I don't speak Arabic. So when I was out with my dad and his, his OGs, like it was just, I just sat there. I just sort of, there's, there's like 
ping pong. I'm just like watching people's, you know, mouth move, but I don't understand what's happening. So that was that. That's something I, I really want to highlight. And then, obviously, navigating Jamar amongst a community of Iraqis that are strong personalities. There's a lot of opinion. Very proud. And also kind of like, I kind of didn't know what I was going into in a weird way. And I think that naivety actually aided me massively because as with any community, there there are kind of like, you can set yourself up to, to, to really maybe fall flat on your face if, if, if you're kind of not acting with integrity and acting for the cause in the right way. And I think everyone could smell off me and, and, and see in me that I was just so committed to just delivering and trying my best to deliver like great Iraqi food. But I kind I kind of wasn't ready for like the melting pot of the community that were coming, coming at me that especially later on. And, but with that, it was like, I've just made like just such dear friends and my education has been through them and yeah like just even small things like well, i remember one pop-up there was an iraqi christian iraqi muslim and iraqi jewish family all sat next to each other like a triangle and i remember like we were cleaning out desserts and it was like these guys aren't going to leave they just stayed there chatting and it was the most beautiful thing like like we, we, we literally had to kick them out and they didn't want to leave each other so that, again like those those sort of scenes that that were there like that really i was so lucky to witness that and to 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 almost facilitate that as well and to and to be the vehicle that carries that kind of thing and there's there's so many like very very moving and and quite unique stories that were pivotal in shaping my identity and having me just lean further into my iraqiness and not be so concerned about what people think or like my insecurities around that I'm, I'm very kind of flat and easy now and i think my recent trip to iraq like really like cemented quite a lot for me yeah which i'm gonna ask you about as well in just a second yeah i won't go too deep there, <laughs> but, but you know it, it really yeah I'm, I'm very just i'm very just clear and flat around it now and definitely for the last nine years navigating around my identity for such a giant of a country like it is just so rich and incredible and complex and just so multi-layered and i'm still learning i'm like still don't haven't even touched the touched the sides yet so yeah i think i think that answers like food food has been integral, <laughs> integral in that definitely um so Something that was really big on social media, obviously, obviously you started the um, the stolen borough market just before COVID hit, which was a really tough time to be starting a food business of all things. But obviously you persevered and then you provided food to hospitals during the COVID-19 pandemic, which is obviously a really lovely thing to do. So um, we'll just look at this very quickly, but how was it doing an operation of that scale? What were the reactions of the doctors, nurses, other hospital staff to Iraqi food being in their canteens? I've got free healthcare now for the rest of my life. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> the amount of Iraqi doctors that I met. Oh, it was funny. No, it was it was it was cool. It was cool, and it was it was something at the time where I was I needed to do something and keep busy. And I think just seeing how the country was and yeah, it was a it was a really tough time. Um, and it was yeah, it was quite nice just how the momentum naturally built and how it became just yeah that Friday thing where I just wanted to do a dish of dish an Iraqi dish and and, and feed it. But it was it was it was it was long and it was tough and it was I couldn't get help because we couldn't like it was COVID. Yeah. So it was just, yeah, it was just like I'd hang out pretty much four or five hours at the prep kitchen, load up all the packaging, load my car, and then just go and drop it off. And the response was amazing. And and again, it was just like even on the inside of when I did have, let's say, my little Iraqi connects that were, were already in the NHS who were knowing up who knew I was coming to them. Um they they were kind of like excited to share it with their colleagues who were obviously, you know, from all walks of life. So there was that really, again, it's that beautiful layer of our, our, our identity and culture of like how seeing their excitement and seeing obviously the reactions again, it was just like, it, it just, it was, it was multi-layered. Obviously they're getting fed and obviously it's like, you know, it's 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 something to lighten up their day in a quite a dark time but there was that layer of like the iraqis being like he's coming and like you got to try this and then they're sharing their identity with them again and it's like the ripple effect continues so that was really really nice and and, and, a, and a a chapter that was yeah it was it was it was difficult just just on many levels with everything going on but this this definitely kept me sane and kept me moving which is good but also you know a lot of the healthcare workers at the time were being applauded so much and being venerated as you know being our heroes but actually seeing someone physically come and do something for them rather than just talk about it you know it must have been very heartwarming for them so and especially from a for, for a lot of people from a cuisine, from a chef that, you know, is so far away in terms of what they know, like, why would he come and help? Why would he come and send all of this amazing Iraqi food for us to try? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was, I think they were really moved, touched and grateful. And, and again, I've made some like actual friends out of that whole chapter that have, yeah, mm -hmm. they, 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 they've said they'll, they'll never forget that. So that's really, really sweet of them too. Okay, so, next. <laughs> Anyone who isn't from the UK listening to this, um, they might not know Saturday Kitchen on the BBC, but it's a pretty big deal in the food industry on this little island. So tell us very briefly, how did you get on the show? Tell us about the experience. And obviously, it's a big milestone for a chef, right? And probably the first time an Iraqi chef has ever been on a show like that. This, this, is, this is the milestone. I, I'm not joking. I can't even sometimes believe it i grew up watching this like like religiously watching this show um and then i think it was yeah i got i got an email just from um from jess from red kite pr shouts out to them and they were saying like look saturday kitchen are looking for like new blood new energy new vibes and 
can we can we put your name forward like we thought of you straight away so i was like of course like you crazy like damn right put me in and then i did a rehearsal obviously brought the dolma game they just were like what is this like it was it was it went it went better than expected i had like people from downstairs coming from upstairs coming downstairs on rotation new people being like yeah they 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 really really enjoyed it and then they said yeah we're going to we're going to have you on and that was just like oh my goodness me i never ever like would have ever thought this and um how did it go on the day you have to get up so early and i remember i was doing alfresco at the time and i i was I finished crazy late. I think I got home at like one or one thirty. There was a taxi outside my house at five, and you you go to the studio, you do the whole thing, rehearse it, the whole show, and then all of a sudden you're you're like live. And I remember like ringing my mum beforehand, and she's she's just crying, and I, like I, I was just just beaming with pride, and I was just like, mum, I'm going on like. And I, then I was hearing her crying because I, I was tired and just feeling a little bit like <laughs> whatever. I'm like nearly starting to go. And then it was just before we knew it, we were on. And, oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. And it was just, it was, it meant so much to the Iraqis. I, like the messages I received. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Like, People were just saying, like, it's a family thing. We're all, we're, everyone's round for breakfast. We're all watching you. And it was, it was, and, you know, families with their sort of eight, nine-year-olds kind of forcing their kids to sit down and watch it, you know, as, as a form of representation and, you know, seeing that, like, their own are on TV. It was, it was special. It was so, so special. And, um, yeah, that's a memory I'll never, ever, that's been the pinnacle. Some kids seeing kids seeing Dolma on TV, probably on the BBC, especially probably for the first time ever. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, those dishes. Yeah. They're not really cooked on like on, on our main, on our mainstream channels. So, um, I, I actually provisionally had a big Dolma pot and then they kind of were like, no, 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 no. There's, we'll, we'll get complaints about food wastage. You need to do a, a tiny Dolma pot. And I was like, really? But anyway, that's like TV for you. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was just, yeah, it was a great moment. Okay. So you've touched on this a little bit before, but so you went to Baghdad, I think it was around this time last year, right? So it was, was it your first time there? What was that like for you? And I'm oh, sorry, no, I was just going to say, um, like, did you learn anything about Iraqi cuisine while you were there that you didn't know before? Yeah, so it is this one year, one year this this week that I was there, and um, I had been already um, as a one year old, but I have obviously no recollection. My mum, bless her, she took me and my brother as as little bubs, and um, yeah, this 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 was from a again from an identity perspective, from a culinary perspective, from a multi-sensory that I just had to go. It was time. And um, I learned so much like about, about, about the food and about just how things are there, like even produce and the lamb and obviously the kebab, the kahi and gema, like, oh, it's like, 
it's it's life changing. Some of the some of the dishes that I had, like that gear, my like it was incredible, like incredible. Um, there's obviously like a food scene, but that's you know restaurants. When I say food scene, I mean restaurants. And I was I was kind of expecting like where's the kubba and where's this and but I think a lot of that is done in homes. You know, you, you go there with all these expectations and all these assumptions and all these whatever, these whatever past-based listenings that you have of it. But I kind of just, I just sort of, yeah, I just dropped all that within within quite early on and it just just let it, let, let it flow and let it be. Because there was such a build-up to this trip, like immense, like emotional build-up of like, finally, I'm going. And it was that, you know, it was at my dad's disapproval. My dad like disowned me for that whole time I was there. Just didn't even speak to me. Messaging him, like, is you know, where are we growing up? Where's our family at home? This is the church. Like, is it is this the church? You know, we're Iraqi Christians. So I was trying to find out about so much stuff and he he wasn't messaging me back. He, he, was, he was scared. He was scared for you. He just he, he, he you know, this is obviously it's his trauma and his past and his opinions of like this like his country's finished bless him yeah that's how he feels like and 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 he says it a little bit more colorful than that but i'll give you the pg version but you know and he 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 just feels that's it and and he says like it can turn on a six, six he says it can turn on a sixpence at any point he was just there was a real concern there um but yeah i just had to do this and um i'm so glad i did um and the bread, sorry, the bread. Oh, sorry, of course. No, no, the bread, the bread. I have to mention the bread. The bread out there was just magic as well. Better than anything you'll probably get over here in London. <laughs> um, so it is, it is, is it the 10-year anniversary of Jemma Kitchen this year? Or, I mean, yeah, November is the 10-year. <laughs> so what is next? Now that we're at 10 years, what is next? I want to, I want to, for the, I want to build a brand and I want to have, to this day, I think I've been very focused and quite significant around how I've kind of represented and packaged Jamar and everything to go with that. And I'm at a stage in my life where I'm, I'm, I'm pretty exhausted. I'm not going to lie, like the hospitality and, and, the last few years as, as we've shared and this whole journey has been very tiring and I want to kind of I want to build a brand and actually have fun with what I've created we've got a great product and there's plenty of restaurants out there that have like amazing kind of branding identity but the food is is awful so we've actually got something here that is delicious and now I want to work on just branding identity and we're going to be doing a whole makeover of Juma. um hopefully with the acceptance of everyone they'll, they'll like it but we're, we're, we're really going to try and push further now in making this a global brand and and again target target more communities that don't know our food um because i think there's a huge a huge, huge, huge potential here in London as taking it even further. And Dolma Sundays is a perfect example of that, like just how we can have fun with it and actually like really, really create 
authentic and unique experiences that are so close to home. And that's, that's what I want to do, like embed traditions within a kind of commercial space. Easier said than done, but that's what I'm trying to do. Amazing. Okay, so um, I think Usman has a question. Usman, would you like to unmute yourself? So uh, thank you very much, uh, Philip, for talking to us today. And uh, thank you to Mesa for putting this on and being here. Um, my question, though, relates to um, sort of decisions. I mean, you've alluded to it already, um, but what kind of decisions you make as a restaurant and as a business um, when it comes to what kind of food you offer and what ones you do not offer? And I'm sort of also wondering about does it, time that it takes to make a dish impact your decision? Because I know that with in many parts of the world, especially, you know, a lot of restaurants won't offer you know, local food because it just takes too long to make. I know among Iranians, for example, a lot of Iranian dishes aren't available in Iranian restaurants in Iran or in abroad because in some cases the rest the dishes take, you know, a day to make. So I'm wondering how you make those kinds of decisions. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Usman. Um but bar bar market logistically is very very difficult. Like we've got the tiniest, like we've got the smallest space out of all the permanent units there, and just even things that the customer might take for granted, like fridge space. Sometimes we don't have fridge space to put extra things in. So if we were to put a new dish on, logistically we're having to think about. When's that going to be prepped? How's it going to be prepped? We can't obviously prep it during service. Where's it going to be stored? And obviously that the whole kind of marketing and 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 promotion of it. Um, there's also the consideration of just there's so many dishes that I'd love to kind of bring to the table, but like Kubat Morsel, for example. But I'm in a I'm in a very, very like specific demographic of like you know let's say 10 percent of our customers are iraqis like the other 90 percent aren't so i've got to be really strategic in how i can how i can first of all package it and, and and explain it to people and not take let's say a photo of like a brown flying saucer of cupboard muscle that doesn't look the most appetizing but it's absolutely delicious so there's there's this huge kind of like let's say melting pot of of things that i consider and also costs like labor costs like dolma on sunday that's a loss leader we we actually for my calculations we don't actually I think we lose like a little bit of money on that but it's not about that it's actually about bringing people and and promoting and doing something that is simple like one pot one flip one pm yalla whoever's there's there and if not you know, it's all good. So, and we could have fun, more fun with that. Like we could Maskuf Mondays, Tim and Bagilla Tuesdays, Fasulia Fridays. We could, we could go on. Right. But, um, again, like just the space and logistics of Borough often it's, it's not as easy as that. Thank you, Osman, for your question. Okay, Phil, I'm going to do some very quick, quick fire questions for you. So, um, there's there's just four of them, so we'll get through them pretty quickly. What are you reading or watching right now? Um, podcast of a CEO, loving his stuff. Stephen Bartlett, I think it is. Yeah, 
Brilliant. Okay, so who would you love to shadow for a day, past or present? Sir Alex Ferguson. Interesting choice. Not quite related to the industry you're in. So is it for his managerial skills? Just how just how how can he win like like that? He's just absolute legend. Like just consistent performer. He seems like not the most friendly person though. So that's why that's why that's that's why I'd like to like learn. Usman like, Shadow too, apparently. Those those type of characters, I'm I'm all for it. Amazing. Okay. So what is your guilty pleasure midnight food choice? Dark chocolate. Okay. All right. That's pretty healthy. I'm dairy and egg free, so I can't really go too, like, exciting. All right. And what dish is it that reminds you most of home? Dolma or, or dad's biryani. Those two are just, like, home for me. Nice. Okay, so thank you everyone for joining us today. Please make sure you follow Phil online on Instagram at Jemai Kitchen, on Twitter as well. And thank you so much, Phil, for being here today. Um, it's been such a pleasure talking to you and finding out so much more about your journey. And if anyone has any feedback about um about this conversation today please let us know um go to afikra.com forward slash was this good and make sure that you also stay in touch follow afikra online join the community forum and get in touch if you want to get involved so thank you thanks Maisa. thank you asman and thank you afikra for all the love and uh, just facilitating this appreciate it thank you so much phil thank you for sharing your saturday morning with us Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, go to afikita.com where you can learn about our Zoom events, our live events in 30 different chapters around the world, our social media presence, and our podcasts and YouTube stuff. You should know that everything we do is all towards a mission of converting passive interest in the histories and cultures of the Arab world into an active intellectual curiosity. By listening to this, you're a part of that movement. So thank you for being here. If you'd like to support our work, go to afikra.com support and join the hundreds of people around the world who make this work possible. Thanks.